Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett got booed. That's right. It was at a ceremony on Memorial Day in Israel when he was speaking to the bereaved families of fallen IDF soldiers and terror victims. For several minutes, he was subjected to a barrage of insults. Liar! You're a disgrace! And shut your mouth! Lots of booing and booing. He stood there absorbing it all without saying a word. I mean, what could he say? People are angry that Bennett and his Yamina party, which was supposed to be right wing, got into bed with the left wing and Arab parties that support the Muslim Brotherhood and are against the state of Israel. A deadly renewed wave of terror attacks resurfaced around two months ago. This from all monitor news, they say reached uh, this uh, t- terror attack uh, peak reached another climax last Thursday evening, calling the very basis of the current government's continued ability to rule into question. It was the brutal massacre of innocent civilians as Israel's 74th Independence Day was coming to an end. Three men were murdered, hacked to death with an axe by terrorists while they were strolling through their town, right next to their homes, and these Jews that were murdered left orphans and widows behind. For Israeli Jews, this evokes collective memories recent and from the more distant past of people being killed just because we are Jews. Bennett will now have to deal with this with even greater intensity. And there's a meme going around to help explain what's going on with Memorial Day and Israel's Independence Day, which Israelis celebrated last week. Jews have two memorial holidays, Yom Hazikaron, the Day of Remembrance, to remind us of the cost of having Israel, because our soldiers were killed trying to keep us safe, and Yom HaShoah, which is Holocaust Day, to remind us the cost of not having a state of Israel, a Jewish state. All right, we're going to be talking about the terrorism here in Israel and the government's weak response under the Bennett government and Bennett getting booed. Also, the mess from Lavrov, that's Russia's foreign minister. How did a nice Jewish girl from Delaware end up living in Israel? Shalom, I'm Natalie Sapinski. Join me on my show, Returning Home. Meet different people who have moved to Israel. Hear their personal stories, their highs, their lows, and everything in between. Each week, we talk to experts on immigration and the process of moving to Israel. Listen to Returning Home every Thursday, only on Israel News Talk Radio. We 
are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we're going to be talking today about the Prime Minister of Israel, Naftali Bennett, being booed due to the latest and renewed wave of terror in Israel. The last one Thursday night, just at the end of Israel's 74th Independence Day celebrations, when two Arabs went with axes and a gun in their hands, axing people to death. Innocent people, fathers, leaving orphans, leaving widows. Why? Because they were Jews, just randomly picking them out and chopping axes into them. Uh, here to tell us more about what the latest news is, and we'll be, we will be expanding this to what Lavrov in Russia said about uh, Hitler and Jews, etc., and economics, etc. Our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He is a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University, and has authored over 80 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideast and world issues. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. It is another one today. Yes. All right, so go ahead. Uh, talk about it so you can update everybody. Oh, no, no, that's not important. I'm, I'm, I just, so I finished another book today, so what? That's, that does matter. Done, done it before. Been there, done that. That's all. Okay, we're we're going to talk about uh, your book uh, in the last segment, but let's let's start out with what's happening. Uh, Prime Minister um, Naftali Bennett, who has gone into bed with the left wing and the Arab Arabs who support the Muslim Brotherhood, um, he um, has made a government betraying his voters because they wanted a right wing government and uh he was booed at the uh memorial day ceremony with the israelis calling him liar you're a disgrace shut your mouth booing him he didn't say a word because what could he say what could he say why don't you take it on from there well you know i, I don't really blame him so much i mean anybody who knew, knows anything about politics about how politicians function things like that knew that he's an empty piece of it's an empty sack. There's nothing there. There never was anything there. He has no philosophy. All he's ever cared about is himself. He's a total egotist with no mitigating anything of anything. <clears throat> when he was in the army, he did a he did a superb job. He was he was an excellent soldier, and he showed the kind of uh, dedication and altruism that one would expect from somebody in a in a very highly elite uh, unit, but. When he left the army and he went into private business and then afterwards into politics, he became a uh, a, a total self-centered, egotistical, sorry, sack of garbage. <laughs> there's, there's nothing there. Garbage stinks. That's what it does. All right. I, and... I, I'm, I'm more disappointed with, with Ayala Chiquette than I am with him. Okay, for anyone who doesn't know, Ayelet Shaket is like his number two. She's uh, also uh, there in the Amina party. And tell our listeners why you're upset with her. Well, I think I, I think, or I thought, and I'm not sure. I'm no longer sure of myself, but I, I thought that she actually had some real. Um, uh, 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 she really felt a sense of responsibility. Said that she had some real values behind her. She, a person who actually who actually does think for herself and not just. Um, it's called a second-hand thinker. People who that the only thing they really care about is what others think about them. Um, I thought that she had more more content than that. 
I, I, now I'm thinking that probably I was wrong, that she, she, she actually doesn't really feel anything uh, at all. Uh, again, she's totally devoted to Nafsali Bennett for all of these years. I have no idea why. He certainly hasn't benefited her. He certainly hasn't done anything for her. Um, I, I think she's she's just uh, she's just a just a regular fool. And it's, it's just pathetic. You know, I I, I don't want to uh, mention how she feels because I don't know how she feels, but I can see by her actions that you are correct in what you're saying is that they have been compromising, bending over anything that they can in order to keep power, and it's just a it's just the same old same old political, just keep your power, just keep your power, try to get more power. And it's sad. It's very, very sad. It's it, because these could have been, I mean, they're both talented people, but they, they chose to get into bed with the left and with Arabs who do not even support the state of Israel. They're enemies of the state of Israel. And they did this and they, they did it because they wanted, he wanted to be prime minister. He wanted to be prime minister. I, 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 even beyond that, because I mean, he is at least somewhat uh, religiously observant, somewhat, I don't know. I don't really know how much, but it doesn't appear to be significant. But he is somewhat religiously observant, and uh, historically, at least, it was my impression that while she's not observant, she did care. She's she's a, a traditionalist, so to speak. Yeah. And here they're sitting in the government with with this with this complete mor- these two complete morons. Lieberman and 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 uh, uh, Nissan Horowitz, oh, okay. both of whom dis- totally despise uh, not just Judaism but anything concerning God. Yeah, you know, we're not uh, on the air trying to bash people. We're trying to just show the damage that's done by people who will bend over and compromise their values because they want power. And this is what we're seeing today. Israelis do not feel protected. They do not feel like our government is working in our interests of keeping its citizens safe because it's more interested in keeping its power balance and appeasing the Arabs who are in their coalition so their power doesn't get uh, doesn't fall. Their house of cards doesn't fall. And this is a very I want to slightly, slightly modify what you just said. I don't okay. think that we feel unprotected i think we feel unprotected within the country i think we all feel that the situation concerning the world at large is still under control oh i'm not talking about the world at large i'm talking about israel and when yes yes i'm I'm saying i I think i'm saying we should should differentiate so it's not it's not a total loss when the prime minister of israel tells its his citizens anyone who has a gun start carrying it wherever you go that is the wild wild west that is that means that the police cannot protect us the army cannot protect us you have to be there because we can't no do no, no. It. Yes, I, I don't i don't yes, agree with yes. that phrasing okay. i don't agree with we, that we, phrasing we shamir did that as well when when the when the uh uh uh, uh when the purveyors of, of absolute evil um uh, uh raise their heads we all have to be prepared to uh, protect one another. We have we every one of us has to have everybody else's back. That's just the way it is. That's the way it has to be. Um, well, if and, and that's the kind of unity. Uh, like I don't. That. I don't. I'm not bothered by him telling people carry your guns. That's okay. What I'm bothered with is him not reacting in a re- reasonable and proper way by 
stamping out these things from the very from the very from from the very roots of them. All right. Okay. Let's move on. We only have three. Mi- we'll agree to disagree there. Uh, we only have three more minutes to the segment. I want to get to uh, what you entitled the mess from Lavrov. Why don't you expound on that? Okay. Let, let, let's just uh, um, uh, review what happened. What actually happened? The actual facts. Uh, I'll go. I'll go over the facts very quickly. Uh, Lavrov a few days ago was being interviewed on Italian uh, 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 television. And they asked him, "How can you, as a as a uh, uh, representative of Russia, talk about denazification of Ukraine when the leader of Ukraine is a Jew himself?" Yeah, I'm just mentioning facts at the moment. I'll comment later. Um, and Lavrov's uh, comment was, or uh, uh, um, a reaction to that was, "Well, that doesn't really matter that Zelensky is 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 a nominal Jew because there have over the years, over the centuries, been Jews who were." Um, anti-Semites themselves, some of the worst anti-Semites in history have been Jews, and in fact, Hitler himself might have been, he was very careful with his phraseology, he was not, he was not totally irresponsible, might have had some Jewish blood in him as well. And, and that's what went overboard. It was that statement that went overboard. Okay, so, and I should add now that um, just yesterday, uh, I think it was yesterday, I'm not, I'm not certain of the exact uh, timing, um, uh, uh, Putin phoned up Naftali Benefit, the prime minister, to apologize for what Lavrov said, which is unprecedented. Putin has never done that before, it's, ever. It's hard to imagine Putin apologizing, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and so it's, it is a significant thing. And by the way, what was published within Russia did not mention his apology. But everybody knows that he did, and, the, and nobody's complaining about the way he's uh, uh, packaging it for his own people, that's okay. So uh, let, let's go over the fact that the, these facts, and let's, let's just comment on some of these facts. First of all, Lavrov was not incorrect when he said that some of the worst anti-Semitic history have been Jews. That's true. Look at George Soros. He's a horrible monster of a person, and he was nominally Jew. He was born a Jewish person. And he's a terrible, terrible individual who does tremendous harm, not only within the United States, but here in Israel as well. So Lavrov was not incorrect when he said that. But he was incorrect when he he added the Hitler comment. The Hitler comment was totally out of line and historically incorrect, completely, completely incorrect. Not based in any way on any facts. Right. Hitler was not... Jewish. All no, right. no, he didn't say that Hitler was Jewish. He had some some yeah, Jewish, Jewish blood, blood yeah, he said. but he has okay? Christian blood. The comment, okay, the, com- the, the historical German comment, was, which was blood. pervaded in the 20s. Do we still have time today? Do we still have time here? What? Do we still have time in the segment? 10 seconds. Oh, okay. The, 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 the thing was that Lavrov's, uh, uh, sorry, Hitler's grandmother works for a Jew. And from that, people concluded, well, then she must have become pregnant from him. Which is a totally asinine thing to, to conclude. Uh, you can't even call it guilt by association. we got to end it there. We're, we can continue if you want during the next segment. And we'll also be talking about economics and other things. We'll be right back. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 
This is Shai Bentecoan. Each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany is but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. We are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and we were talking about the mess from Lavrov, that's the foreign minister from Russia, and making remarks about Hitler, Zelensky, the Jewish people. Did you want to make one final comment on that, Dr. Monachai Ben-Menachem, who is our guest? Yeah, just to think very short. Uh, um, uh, uh, historically, generally speaking, the Russians are very good at diplomacy. So, I mean, uh, 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 Putin did apologize. We need to take that into account. Lavrov made a mistake. It happens. We're all human beings, even some of us who are sometimes not such, such human beings. Lavrov erred. They admitted to it. They apologized. As far as I'm concerned, game over. That's all. His mistake was a very stupid mistake, but that's happened to all of us. Okay. Uh, let's go now to uh, economics. You wanted to do an economic roundup. Does that have to do with the war between Russia and Ukraine? That's unavoidable. Uh, uh, of course it has to do with the war. Let me go over a few basic facts. I'll talk a moment about um, what's happening with the oil market. Then I'll go over to the, the three um, uh, uh, infamous uh, green technologies. And then I'll try to discuss a little bit about what all this means to every one of us on a daily basis today. So first of all, uh, Russian oil pro, uh, production is falling rapidly. Uh, uh, it fell in March by half a million barrels per day. It fell in April to a million barrels per day shortfall. And by the end of May, we expect it to go down by two million barrels per day. There is nobody who can take up this slack. There are no alternative oil suppliers that have not reached their peak supply capacity except for Iran. So if anybody is expecting as the, as the adult in the White House has been uh, uh, has been squeaking about for, for months now that OPEC can can uh, uh, replace Russia, it's simply ignorance. it just cannot physically it can't happen. And some of it can be short, made up a little bit perhaps. OPEC plus organization has promised uh, uh, an increase of 430,000 barrels per day per month. They have never reached that target. They are now in a shortfall of more, of more than one and a half million barrels per day from their targets, their own targets. So nobody has the capacity to fill it in. Um, OPEC is producing less than it was producing in, in for, previously, not more, not out, of, not out of intent to be nasty or anything like that. Uh, they're, they're producing less because the physical limitations in the, in the oil fields. Um, and the uh, U.S. producers are under fire from legislators with a utterly ridiculous and asinine bill in Congress called NOPIC um, to uh, uh, allow uh, uh, private citizens to 
sue and penalize OPEC countries for a for acting as a cartel. Um, it's a really dumb bill, but that's what you can expect from those people, I suppose. Um, it, it will do no good, and it will do a great deal of harm, both to the American economy directly and to the world economy as a whole. Now let's go over to the uh, the so-called green technologies. That are there are three: solar, wind, and electric vehicles. Um, we need to understand that both solar and wind, their components costs are inflating very rapidly, even more rapidly than inflation in, in, in America. Uh, uh, their costs are inflating very rapidly while demand intensifies. Um, the basics of behind these uh, solar and, and wind technologies being promoted by the left is to uh, transfer wealth from the West to China. They've been successful with that over the years, very successful. Uh, but China isn't really producing right now. China is in big, big trouble. They released their virus against the world, and it's come back to, to bite them on the, on the, in the rear end. Um, Hong Kong, Shanghai, and many other cities are totally closed down. Great uh, 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 percentages of total Chinese production is offline. And nobody can predict when or if it will go back online, even if ever. So the, uh, uh, everything concerning uh, um, uh, 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 electrification materials like steel, copper, aluminum, nickel, battery raw materials are all in short supply. The two largest suppliers in the world of, most, of many of these minerals are China or, or, or Russia. So anybody who's saying, well, we're, we're, we're getting off Russian oil, so go to electric vehicles, that will solve your problem, is an idiot. Because the vast majority of the materials that go to make electric vehicles comes from Russia. So you really have to be totally ignorant to say that electric vehicles will replace the, the Russian oil. It's just, it's just mind-boggling how ridiculous that statement can be. Right. Supply of clean en energy... Um, uh, depends on 35 critical materials. 14 of them are not produced at all in the United States. 31 of them are produced somewhat, but uh, I'm sorry, um, um, the U.S. imports 31 of them uh, uh, at to, to at least some extent. As I said, 14 are not produced at all in America. In other words, America imports 100% of their needs. Um, Supply of clean energy depends on mined natural resources. Let me translate that into practical terminology. The world today is dependent mostly on, say, five countries to, 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 uh, um, um, to produce the, the vast majority of oil and gas in the world. If we were to go over to the so-called green technologies, we would be dependent upon 60 countries, all of whom are much less stable than the five countries that were, that were talking about for oil. All of the 60 countries, with, uh, with minor exceptions, are countries that are, that are lacking in stability. Some of them, like, for instance, the Congo, which is the world's largest producer of cobalt, the, the, the material produced is produced with child labor, where many, many children are killed every single day by the mining of this, of the, of this material. Um, shifting from OPEC 
uh, um, uh, um, sorry, the, the, the auto industry faces a shortage of battery supplies for electric vehicles. World cell production, cell meaning battery cells. Batteries are made, why is it called a battery? Because it's a series of cells that are put together in a battery. Battery means a, 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 a series that work in, 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 in uh, concert. Um, uh, um, um, world cell production uh, is 10% of today's demand. 10% of what is actually needed is produced today. There is a 90% shortfall of production capacity for the batteries that are required today. If we talk about uh, um, um, uh, ramping up the production of electric vehicles, nobody pre even pretends anymore to know where the materials or the battery cells are going to come from. And of course, we're not talking about only about batteries. That, that's just the, 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 the primary force. Um, shortage of everywhere from the, from the mining of the raw materials to the processing capacity to building the battery cells themselves. We just don't have the technology to do what people are demanding or what people are suggesting. So what is the answer? Just a moment. I'll get to that. Just a moment. Um, uh, 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 um, just to give you one quantitative example, uh, an internal combustion engine needs a, uh, about uh, a one kilogram of copper and two kilograms of nickel. The electric vehicle needs 130 kilograms of each of them. And it just, the, the materials just do not exist today. They're not available. Okay, so let's, I'll sum up the, 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 the statements about the, about we have in production capacity by saying, of making a very simple statement. With today's technologies, unless technology significantly improves over the next very short number of years, no country in the world can transition from fossil fuels to uh, a non-fossil fuel production, uh, um, 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 uh, energy basis by 2050. Zero. No country in the world has the capability of doing that. Again, anyone who claims that that's going to happen is either ignorant or ridiculous. Okay. So that's just a, a summing up of, of, some, of some of the things concerning the uh, economy as it's affected by the, by the war today. Again, I'm talking about today about the energy economy. I've spoken in the past about the food economy, which is, 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 is also in very bad shape, but we just don't have time to cover both, both, uh, both areas in one, in one session. So we have a minute and 20 seconds left. What is the solution? What do we do? Oh, there's no solution. There are no solutions here. The solution is going to be that we're going to see uh, a, a lot more wars. We're going to see uh, countries uh, fighting one another for energy uh, sources, energy uh, mineral product, mineral sources and things like that. I believe we're going to see uh, the Europeans, as they have done for the last thousand, thousand years, they will try to send their armies out to uh, places that are less advantaged, like Africa and Latin America, to try to steal what they can't produce themselves. And uh, we're going to be in for some, as the uh, Chinese expression claim uh, uh, says, uh, for some very interesting times. Wow. So we have a bright future ahead of us. Wow. How encouraging. I wouldn't call it bright. I would say that we, call it, we have a very dark future ahead of us. I'm being sarcastic. 
All right. We're going to take a break, everybody. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk about more on this show. So when you leave, you're going to be a lot smarter, a lot more informed. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Rabbi David Aaron. The soul basics are the most profound, the most essential, and yet often the most neglected in our education. Join me for Soul Talk on Israel's News Talk Radio and discover the secrets to love, spiritual growth, and personal power. is Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, and uh, it's book time. I just got a new book in the mail. I'm, I'm supposed to start reading. Um, what about you, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem? I just finished yesterday a, a, a superb book. Some of the older listeners probably have heard of it. Maybe some of them have read it. Probably the younger listeners have not, I'm guessing, have not read it, and maybe even not even heard of the authoress. But I want to strongly recommend it, even to the even to the younger crowd. I read Anne Rand's Fountainhead. Oh, sure, superb, was, fantastic. It will be difficult to to come up with enough superlatives to talk to to describe the book. <laughs> That's so okay. funny. The, yeah, the book is was published seventy years ago uh, in 1952, and it takes place just prior to World War II. Um, and basically, it talks about um, the difference between what she calls a, uh, a second-hand man and a real man. And I'm using her terminology. Uh, uh, second-hand meaning a person who all they really care about is what others think of them. So they're constantly prancing about saying, oh, uh, uh, um, uh, what do people think? Uh, I will dress according to what people the dress code that people expect of me. I will act according to what people expect of me. I will say pe- what people really expect of me. I will, and she calls these people uh, basically empty people. And I think, of course, that she's totally correct. But beyond that, beyond the philosophical part of it, um, uh, uh, one of the things that I need to say about it is that just in terms of, as an author myself, of, of the writing itself, the prose, the quality of descriptions, the quality of, of the way she phrases things. It's just fantastic. It's, it's a book that's just a lot of fun to read. Anyone who enjoys reading, it's superbly well written. And the ideas behind it are very, very good. And I must say another thing, since it was written 70 years ago when America still had morality before Hollywood took over the, the, the culture of America and destroyed it, there's nothing nasty in it. There's no bad words. There are no bad actions. There's no thing, there's nothing in it that's immoral. I mean, some of the actions that she's described are, are 
immoral actions, but not in the, not in the not in that not in that kind of sense. There's no there's no um, uh, um, uh, uh, ridiculous sexual descriptions of of things that simply don't belong there. Okay, it's so simply you're a, big fan a well written. Okay. Sorry. So so you're a big fan of Ayn Rand. Did you ever read uh, Anthem by a- Ayn Rand? I read I what was it called Atlas Shrugged I think about yeah, 60 years also. ago and I can barely remember it. Okay. So I haven't read anything in in many many of hers in many many years. I came across Found in Ed. I picked it up sort of reluctantly not really understanding if I wanted to actually read it or not. It's 700 pages so it's very long. Um but I I'm very pleased that I did read it. Um it, it took a few days because it said it's very long but it, it was just it's just a superb read, really enjoyable, um, and, and I strongly recommend it both for the pleasure of the read itself and for the thoughts that she puts into it. It's just she was basically superb. about the individual and uh, uh, fighting against, you know, the collective all the time. It was an she was an anti-communist. The communists would try to quelch individualism and only look at the collective. And squelch anything that came from an idea of, you know, what's, you know, like I. Well, it's much more than communist. You're right. You're right. But it's much more than that. Because, for instance, both communism and Nazism had that in common. Yeah, you had to, like, you know, um, conform. And they didn't like people who thought for themselves. They didn't like. They did not not like them. They killed them. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Let's say there. Okay. But, uh, but so. You know, I mean, when I read that, you know, I was, I think I was in high school or, or maybe I was in college, really, I don't remember, but I was remembering it, like rooting for the person who was going against the grain because he knew that his ideas were true and right and he didn't want to conform and the punishment he got from society. And you know what? I'm just thinking right now, it's just like the people who stood up against all of this panic from the pandemic of the masks and the forced vaccinations and people who stood up for their rights and everybody condemned them. You are, you know, you're calling them names and, and even murderers, etc. Basically, they're them. calling them antisocial. So again, you're 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 expressing yourself correctly, totally correctly. They're calling them antisocial because the social part of it is that's the point. That's where everybody says you must conform, or Twitter and Facebook well, will cancel, cancel you. you. Yeah, they cancel you exactly. So yeah, so okay. All right. So, so the book is so appropriate. It's so yes. apropos to the today's times. It's fantastic. We are living this reality now, and so if anybody wants a good refresher uh, to remember what is true and not what you know, groupthink. Read 1984 by George Orwell. Read Ayn Rand books. Uh, talks about the individual against you know the collective and and canceling people, etc. And on that note, because we only have five minutes left to the show, I know that you just finished a book yourself, and I don't know what you finished. I don't know what you did. I want to hear about it. So please tell me what is okay. the title? What is it about? Is it? Uh, I, I'm assuming it's something with research and not a, a novel, but I could be wrong. Go ahead. No, no, you're actually wrong there. Uh, it's not research. It's an autobiography. For many years, oh my, uh, uh, many some of my friends, many of my friends have been asking me to write an autobiography, and I always refuse, saying it's well, it's, it's, it's not a 
it's not a humble thing to do. It's not nice. It's I mean, who who am I to write what I did? I didn't. I'm not important. I didn't do anything meaningful. I don't. I don't know. It seemed it seemed a very bad thing for me to do. You're funny. And and they they pressed me they pressed me particularly um a uh, 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 a pair of friends that I have that I'm very very close with, and and she's really smart uh, and so is he by the way I'm, I'm just being unfair here and she but she's very smart and and she's promised me that if I wrote it, um she would um audit it for me, and so she would ha- uh, because I I I believe very strongly that a book should always be audited by a, a different pair of eyes. Um, the book is written in Hebrew. It's called Yikitsa, which means to, to wake up. Um, and it's basically an autobiography. In other words, it's about me and about my life and about what I've, what, what, what I've been through, what I've seen, what I've, uh, uh, what's happened to me over the years, over the decades, <laughs> a lot of decades right now. Um, but before I began to write it, I went to a friend of mine, a very close friend, who I studied with at Yeshiva for many years. And I respect him uh, very strongly. He's a, a very humble man, a very smart man, very knowledgeable man, very steeped in Torah. And I asked him, look, people are asking me to write this. How can I do it in such a way that it, it doesn't um, uh, um, um, seem haughty? Uh, it, it doesn't sound as if I'm trying to be un, uh, unhumble. Is unhumble the right word? I don't know the opposite of humble. Arrogant. Um, or arrogant. Okay. Okay. So he said to me, you know, I, I, first of all, I think they're right. I think you should write the book. And what you should do is you should phrase it in such a way where you don't say I, I, I all the time, but you say, these are things that occurred and I happen to view them. So I try to present it in that manner, in a manner where uh, 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 proper Humility is 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 maintained. I hope I've succeeded with that. Um, she finished um, uh, reading uh, reading the draft a few days ago. She claims that I did succeed in that. Um, I hope she's correct. Bezat Hashem, with God's help, I will finish um, 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 uh, designing the covers uh, tomorrow morning, and then. Sometime around that time, it will be sent to the printers, and within a week, I should have copies of the book. Well, that's very exciting. That's very exciting. Uh, I hope that you'll give me a copy of it, and um, now I'll find out all your past and secrets and wisdom and everything else that wraps around uh, your life. Well, perhaps, I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right, so with the one minute left that we have, why don't you take out a pearl of wisdom from your book and share it with us all? Uh, if I can say, you know, one of the chapters in the book is what I call ekonotai, my, my principles, which sort of fits in with the with the previous thing that we're talking about on, on, with uh, with Fountainhead, I suppose. And, and I think the, the first thing I said there was, I've tried to run uh, to uh, uh, manage my life according to the principles of what we call Pirkei Avot, the 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 the, the, wis- the, the wisdom of the fathers, ethics of our fathers. Yeah. Okay, and uh, 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 it, it's part of the Mishnah. It's one of the one of the sixty-three parts of the Mishnah, 
and I think it's um, um, an extraordinarily special book that we should all that everyone should be familiar with. Just to give you a perspective on how respected that book is. Thirty seconds. Um, the 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 uh, uh, um, what do you call it? The um, um, Science Establishment of China, the Academy, the Science Academy of China, asked uh, uh, some years ago uh, uh, Rabbi Adin Steinzeltz to give them to give them a lecture on the uh, on a vote. So fathers. even people that have no relationship whatsoever with Torah realize the importance and the centrality of looking at the world through the viewpoint of ethics, of ethical acting, and. That, I hope, is something that I have accomplished in my life. Thank At you least so that. Dr. Morafai congratulations. And thank you, everybody, for being with us. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. Just click the orange button at the top of the IsraelNewsTalkRadio.home page, log in as yourself or an anonymous guest, and join in on the fun. You'll meet other listeners from all over the world who listen to Israel News Talk Radio, and you can make new friends. Israel News Talk Radio's chat room. It's the closest you can get to being in the studio with us. We love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 